Good evening. Our reading this evening is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, beginning at verse 49. That's Luke 12, verses 49 to 59. And Jesus is speaking. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family, divided against each other. Three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud riding in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, do keep your Bibles open as we look at these verses together. Well, in my last two years working for Bishop Huntington, I'd say I've probably done a few more talks for our youth and kids groups than I have Sunday sermons. And when I do a youth talk, I think it's always good to start with a game. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. We have uh, slides on the screen. Uh, this game is called Guess the Quote. Uh, What's going to happen, I'm going to put a quote up on the screen uh, and in your heads, try and guess where you think that quote may have come from. The answers may surprise you. I'm worried that there's just not that many videos people want to watch. Who do you think might have said that? Well, that quote actually came from Steve Chen, the co-creator of YouTube, the man who created a place where people watch videos didn't think there were many videos that people would want to watch. What about this one? Nothing is more precious than peace. That sounds like something Gandhi or maybe Martin Luther King or John Lennon might have said. That was actually Kim Jong-un, supreme leader of North Korea. The man who keeps threatening nuclear war says that nothing is more precious than peace. Authority should derive from the consent of the governed, not from the threat of force. To me, that sounds straight out of Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto or some sort of political science journal. It's actually the character Barbie in the movie Toy Story 3. What words of wisdom from a great philosopher that is in Barbie. What about this? 
Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you. But division. How many people would think that quote came from Jesus Christ in verse 51 of our reading tonight? Let's pray as we begin looking at these verses. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be teaching us tonight. We pray that you would open our hearts to new truths about you and that we would leave changed, ready to carry on living for you this week. Amen. Well, last week with Stephen, uh, we looked at Jesus uh, telling a parable, warning his followers to be ready for a time when he will return, to be watchful and alert, to behave like Judgment Day were tomorrow, to live lives so that we can look at Christ without fear and shame when he comes back, to be dressed and prepared and excited for the return of Jesus to earth. Jesus has been talking in parables so far. He's been telling uh, the story of some servants waiting for their master to return from a banquet. But look down at verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Things just got very real for the disciples in Jesus' teaching here. How do you feel hearing Jesus? say these words. Shocked? Scared? Embarrassed? Does it change your view of him in any way? Are you maybe questioning your your own idea of Jesus? Do you find these words jarring with the image of Jesus that you have in your head? Are you even a little bit upset or annoyed with Jesus here? You see, we have this idea, don't we, of Jesus being a squeaky clean, meek and mild, white-robed hippie, don't we? One commentator says that we reduce Jesus to a sentimental saviour of a doting God. Would a sentimental, doting, hippie saviour say something like verse 49? Are you beginning to wonder, is Jesus the calm, kind, gentle Prince of Peace I thought he was? Or is he a divisive figure, capable of of rage, who can judge the entire world? Well, the answer is simply, he's both. See, don't get Jesus wrong here. He was a man of of peace. He was the Prince of Peace, as we sung earlier, and uh, comes up in Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6. Of course Jesus was a man of peace. He was the Prince of Peace. But that peace wasn't a universal, hippie kind of peace. He didn't come to bring peace on earth, but he came to bring the offer of peace to a destructive world. He came to powerfully destroy the evil and the sin that makes peace impossible. Think about the sort of activity we've seen in Afghanistan lately. That evil makes peace impossible in that region. Jesus has come to destroy that sort of evil and offer the world a choice. Come to me and have peace or reject me and stay in destructive sin. And as with any choice, that's going to divide people, isn't it? 
in the Battle of Britpop in 1995, you had a choice to make. Are you Blur or are you Oasis? If you grew up in North London, you have a choice to make. Do you rightly follow the beautiful but bottom-of-the-table Arsenal or wrongly follow the horrible but top-of-the-table Tottenham? Or do you strangely follow Barnett like Stephen Demetrio does? In the 2016 referendum that none of us ever want to talk about ever again, you had a choice to make. Are you leave or are you remain? Those choices divided people, didn't they? In some cases, they still divide people. Well, Jesus came to bring a choice to the world. Follow me or reject me. That's what Jesus says. Follow me or reject me. That is a huge choice. That is a choice that will shake up the world. That is a choice that will divide big time. That choice has led to warfare. It's divided countries. It's divided societies, workplaces. And some decide to follow Jesus. And some decide to reject him. It's even divided families. Because some choose to follow Christ and some reject him, there will be division, even among families, as we see from these verses. Now, we all know that feeling, don't we? When a family argument is bubbling away under the surface, when there's a bit of tension, maybe someone said the wrong thing and suddenly people are divided. In the Forest household, I think we normally find this happens over board games, Someone may have forgotten the rules or deliberately attempted to cheat, usually me, and division ensues. We often get families divided across different things, don't we? Supporting different teams, voting for different parties, even following different religions. And of course, some family divisions are not as as temporary or minor as a board game dispute. Some, as we know, are very painful and long-lasting. There are many stories of people being rejected by their families and persecuted, thrown out, turned over to authorities by their families for choosing to follow Christ. That is the division and rejection that Christ is telling us to expect here. Choosing to follow Jesus will bring that division. If we want to follow him, some will reject us, even our families. But we still have to make that choice. The French philosopher Denis Diderot once said this, to believe or not believe in God is not important at all. I think that chimes in with our age, doesn't it, that quote? We live in an age of apathy. We think that making a decision on what we believe about Jesus is of absolutely no importance at all. We live in an attitude of looking at Christ and saying, good man, said nice things, but not someone I need to actively decide one way or another about. We've become apathetic about Jesus. But what Jesus is saying here is that whether you're with him or against him, 
is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. Whether you're for him or against him is the choice that he came to earth to present us with. It's the reason he died. In verse 50 of our reading, Jesus says he has a baptism to undergo. He has a task he is ready and waiting to fulfill. Now, we might read this and think, what are you talking about, Jesus? You've been baptized. Don't you remember? Right at the start of the book, you got dunked by John in the Jordan. Do you not remember? It was a pretty big day. But that's not the sort of baptism that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a different sort of baptism. A baptism where he will be laid down and raised up again. He's talking about his death. A descent into death. Into a brutal crucifixion. Into the judgment of God. As Jesus hung on the cross, that fire that he was talking about in verse 49, that he was going to bring to earth, that judgment, that fire was poured out on himself. The punishment for sin was inflicted on Jesus. The fire that the world deserved was burdened on Christ. Jesus came to undergo a baptism, a descent to death, Arise to life and back to his father in heaven so that he can offer us a simple choice. Follow me or reject me. Follow me and have peace or reject me and choose destruction. And as we looked at last week, one day he will return and he will divide those who have bowed the knee before him and asked for forgiveness and followed him will be brought to be with him forever. Those that haven't, won't. So where we stand on the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important decision we can ever make. It's the only decision that means something forever. It's the decision that matters more than the harmony of our own families. We need to challenge the apathy of our age with these words of Christ and encourage people to see that you're in one camp or you're in the other. Either you respond to the baptism of Jesus' death by choosing to follow him or you reject it. And choose to turn from him. Either you're with Jesus or you're against him. Accept that he died and rose for you. Or reject his promise of salvation. That is the choice that Jesus presents to his disciples in verses 49 to 53. That is the choice he presents to us today. Jesus is calling us to make the right choice. Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 47, that he has not come to judge the world, but save the world. He came to call us to make the right choice. He's he's pleading with us to accept our salvation and escape judgment. 
That is the choice he is prepared to suffer and die to offer us. It is the choice that we have to make today. All 7.5 billion people on earth today have a decision to make about where they stand on Jesus Christ. Firstly, follow me or reject me. Secondly, Jesus says, understand me or ignore me. Now, I'm sure there's many here uh, tonight who remember the great hurricane of 1987. It may disgust some of you to hear that that was a decade before I was born. But whenever I hear about it, the name of one man always comes up. The one man that we most associate with the great hurricane of 1987. Who would that be? Michael Fish. Look at him. What a guy. That legendary weatherman who the day before the storm hit assured us there would be absolutely no hurricane at all. Verses 54 and 55. He said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west... Immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. It sounds like there are many amateur meteorologists around in Jesus' time. Where Jesus lived, it sounds like there are particular kind of definitive signs that told us it was about to rain, a south wind or a cloud rising in the, re- in the west. But see, everyone there, in Jesus' day, is a bit like Michael Fish. Just calmly talking about the weather like experts, but ignoring an approaching storm. They can look at the clouds and chat aimlessly about the weather, as we do all the time in this country. But they can't see the most important man in human history is standing right in front of them. They can see whether it's going to be raining this afternoon. But they are blind to the groundbreaking, earth-shattering good news of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus has been preaching about the coming kingdom of God all the way through the Gospel of Luke. He's been talking about the end of the world. He's been preaching an urgent message of repentance, teaching people that he will die and rise again, and offer eternal life to the whole world. And more often than not, that message is falling on deaf ears. People who don't know how to interpret the times. Jesus has provided so much evidence that he is God among them. He's ticked every box that the promised Messiah was meant to tick. The people of Jesus' time have been waiting their whole lives to receive the Messiah. And now he's arrived. And they've got absolutely no clue what's going on. They've missed the moment. They cannot interpret the times. They can look at the sky and speak with such wisdom about what will happen this afternoon. But they can't see that the Messiah is right in front of them. How many people do we know who live in ignorance? Who hear all the warnings from the Bible, 
who are told about the gospel time and time again, who are told Jesus is coming back, but who decide to ignore it. We live in an age of ostriches, people burying their heads in the sand, refusing to see Jesus for who he really is. How many ancient historians and learned professors have looked at the truth of Jesus Christ and chosen to ignore it? How many people claim such wisdom but are blind to the most important truth right in front of them? In our age of science and enlightenment and technology, we think we know it all. But we've reduced Jesus Christ to simply a wise figure of history. We ignore the most important fact of all time. We are hypocrites who choose not to understand Jesus Christ, as Jesus says in verse 56. We are people who force ourselves to ignore Jesus' warnings about judgment and division. He can't understand the most important truth of the world around us. We can all be a bit like Michael Fish, saying that there's nothing coming while there's a storm brewing in the distance. There is a storm coming for us all. And we need to be ready, as Stephen was teaching us last week. So we have a choice again. Do you want to understand or try to understand and heed Jesus' warnings? Or reject them and choose to ignore the coming storm? Secondly, understand me or ignore me. Thirdly, Jesus says, trust me. Or pay me. There is a storm coming. Jesus has made that very clear in this chapter in particular. There is a day coming when everything will end. Where God will judge everyone in his righteousness and his mercy. Where some will be brought to him. And some will be separated from him. So in verse 57, Jesus presents us with another choice. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? He asks us to judge what's right and decide for ourselves, to make a decision one way or another on where you stand, on what he's saying. (coughs) To make this point, he goes back to speaking in parable in verses 58 and 59. He talks about a disagreement between two people, a payment that is needed to be paid. Now, many of you who know me know that I was a student a few years ago. uh, uh, And as we all know, uh, university doesn't come cheap uh, these days. Because of the fees that I paid at university, I know that I have a debt that I owe to the government for getting a loan from student finance. I know that that debt is still outstanding. Sadly, I still have a debt to pay. And quite frankly... I'd like to get it paid. If someone gave me the tens of thousands of ridiculous amounts of pounds that I need to pay to student finance and the government tomorrow and told me that I had to spend it on clearing that debt, I'd be delighted. I want to get rid of that debt as soon as possible. What Jesus is telling his disciples 
that they have a debt that needs to be paid. They have a payment that needs to be paid. All of us, from the moment we are born, are in debt. We live lives in sin. God made the world perfect. He gave life to every single one of us that is sitting here tonight. He provides breath in our lungs and food on our tables. He gave his one and only son to die for us, to bring us into heaven. And what do we do in return? We turn away from him. We reject him. We act like he's not there. We are in debt to God. We have a payment to make in our lives. And until that payment is made, we are under judgment. We deserve judgment. If someone is in debt and they fail to pay, that may well end up in court, facing a judge. In the same way, we deserve to be brought in front of the Lord and made to pay for our sin, for our disobedience of him. We deserve to pay the punishment and the fire and the judgment that our rebellion and wickedness and rejection of God deserves. We have a big problem we need to sort out in our lives if we remain unreconciled with God. We need to cancel our debt. We need our punishment for sin taken from us, the fire and judgment removed. We don't want to end up in court. We need a solution to the problem, and we need it quick. And for the disciples, listening to Jesus, that solution is right there in front of them. Through Jesus, they can have all their sins paid. They can settle their accounts through Christ completely. They can have their sins dealt with at the cross of Christ. If they make the right decision, if they trust the words of Christ, if they interpret and understand the truth of Christ's teaching, they can come to him and ask for his forgiveness. And be washed clean completely by the blood of Christ. They can have their debt cancelled forever. Jesus' baptism he was talking about in verse 50. That death he was about to endure. Means that if we make the right choice. If we trust in him. We can have our sins paid for. We can have our debt cleared. We can have our judgment taken away from us. Because Christ took the punishment on himself, meaning that if we choose to live for Christ, if we look at Christ and rightly interpret what his cross means, if we trust him, we can settle our accounts and pay our debt of sin for good through him. And if you haven't done that yet, you can do it. Today, 
you can do it now. See, the thoughts that we might have had reading these verses at the start about our image of Jesus changing, maybe being shocked or disgusted by Jesus' words, thinking that Jesus was being a misery guard, so it was all about destruction and death. That is not the case at all. This is not a downbeat message of fire and brimstone from Jesus. But it is a plea to sort your life out now. To realize that you've got to make a decision one way or the other. To implore you to look at Christ, to see him for who he is, to warn you to not bury your head in the sands and ignore him, but to use your life well. To come to Christ, to trust him, to clear your debts and bring you into his kingdom on the day of judgment. As we sung earlier in that song, uh, after the confession, that is the future that awaits us. That is the truth that awaits us if we come to Christ. Tears turned into praise. Death and destruction destroyed. Light shining into darkness. Come to Christ and you can have all those things. When I was looking at these verses, thinking that this would be uh, my last message to BH as a VSW, I was thinking, how am I going to end my time at BH with a message of judgment and division? But if there's any message that I would like to leave my two years working for BH as a VSW with, it would be to say to anyone here in the building or anyone at home who has not yet come to Christ, who hasn't asked him to pay their debt, who hasn't truly trusted that his death and resurrection has paid their debt for sin. Do so now. See Jesus for who he really is, your saviour from fire and judgment, your offerer of eternal peace. And come to him now. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would truly understand what your word says. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would understand what you are saying, that we would heed your warnings, that we would change and transform our lives around to following you. Praise that you paid paid our debt for sin. And that one day we will see you face to face. That you have built the bridge between us and you. And one day we will be with you in your kingdom of eternal peace. Amen.